I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In this episode, it is our Film Faves episode. Film Faves is inspired by a feature that was on the blog, the Gibson Review, wherein we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. The idea behind it was to not only give you an idea of our taste in movies, but hopefully expose you to some titles you've either never heard of or maybe have heard of but just haven't gotten around to seeing. To that end, we will try to point you in the direction of where these movies are available to stream on subscription services. There's a lot of services out there. We focus on Amazon Prime... Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, and Netflix. So if there's something on any of those primary streaming services, we will let you know. Now, this episode, our film phase subject is our favorite movies that make us cry. So we broke out the tissue box. We have it nearby. We've talked about this over oh, the past couple of years, I think, is when we came up with this subject. It's one that we have been holding off for a while. Because even as we talked about this subject, talking about the scenes, why a movie would qualify for our list, made us choke up and cry. So we'll see how this episode goes. It might be a challenging one for us just to record if you hear voices break or what have you do not be surprised uh, we may break down in tears frequently throughout this episode so shanna movies that make you cry tell me a little bit about how you went about this topic and to what degree it was challenging for you well, I had to try and figure out what the goal was here. Was it just like movies that make us cry in a painful way? Or was it actually movies that I enjoy watching that I'm okay with a cleansing cry? Um, because some movies make me ugly cry and that is not my favorite. Like Remember Me, One Day, uh, that nonsense film with Samuel L. Jackson where he narrates and then... Life person, itself. Yeah, that is a bullshit film. That just wants to make you cry. And then there's like things that I avoid, like Fox and the Hound. Mm. You know, if there's dogs, I'm not really, I don't really want that kind of crying. Mm. Like I'm great with the kind of crying that's like sort of, it's a realization cry. Mm. You know, like, oh, this movie is showing me something that I've learned about myself now or realized or, hey, maybe my husband and I didn't have to fight about that one thing because in the grand scheme of things, it's not that serious. Mm. You know, Th anything like that is usually what I'm more drawn towards. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to not make this a Pixar film list. Oh. Because, you know, Pixar is so good at getting those emotions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's there's only a few in there. Um, mm. So <laughs> mm. And it's difficult with certain animation films as well. Mm. Uh and then it's just like real life experiences, I guess. So what I did end up doing is having it like, if I know I want to cry, I'm going to go to these ones mm -hmm. is how I made the list. Hmm. Okay. And they are enjoyable. Like things like City of Angels or 
Homeward Bound or E.T. Yeah, they're great, but, you know, they're not making the list. Okay. So you raise a couple interesting ideas about this topic, which is, first of all, you know, there's some people, including yourself, who are triggered by certain types of movies that might touch on a trauma, right? That's not the kind of movie you gravitate to and certainly not a movie likely to be a favorite of yours right for me it's like can i do a repeat viewing yeah and so this is what this list is it's like i'm okay crying about these things Mm -hmm. in these movies that's okay also there's movies that are that earn the cry and then there's movies that manipulate you yeah like the bullshit cry right yeah like like I would say, a big, a, a, a really big poster child for this is the movie Marley and Me. Okay, not a movie that you would watch in the first place, anyway. Yeah, no, I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's a movie like you. You get to know a dog who can't relate to having a pet that becomes a part of the family and then having to say goodbye to that. Right? That is emotionally manipulative. It doesn't necessarily earn. The cry, right? So it's it's a it's a cheap cry. Like, of course you're going to cry. You're going to cry when you see any animal that that oh comes to a point in its life when you have to say goodbye to it. You know those kinds of things. Not at all something that uh, was taken into consideration for this list. I think for both of us, right? Yeah, there's no cheap crying here. Yeah, on my list. Uh, I think also you touched on like you're t- talking about life things. I think some some movies that earn it is like they to what degree they are relatable. Like you can relate to a character's experiences that they're having or they touch on an emotional truth. Right. Yeah. There's one film in my list where it's like I cry at a different time throughout my life with this film because I'm relating to different things. So I think that that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those are pretty unique, though. Was it a hard time for you to boil it down to 12 movies, or did you have a hard time thinking of 12 movies? Um, you know, I've been sick, and now I have allergies, so thank you, Pollen. So it's, it's difficult for me to think, and I think this was one of the lists that I came up with um, after watching you cry to one particular movie. I had a hard time thinking about the films that do make me cry. Mm. So I went through what we have and I went through some lists that other people have made, which I thought was interesting because it's, it's pretty generic. The lists that other people have made that, you know, are in the top Google searches because it's like, Oh, because a character dies. Mm. So we're going to cry, you know, or, Oh, it's, you know, like the notebook is one that I feel like is infuriating. Because I feel like it's just one of those that you know is like... It's like the Marley and Me of romance films. Okay. You know? okay fair enough. And Remember Me is the same thing, you know? I don't know or Remember, remember. Me. What is Remember um, Me? It's, it's the one where the, the guy's a jerk and he meets this girl and he gets paired up with her for some reason. I can't remember why, if it was like a study buddy or something. And it turns out she's this really nice girl... 
you know, and he's just a, an idiot and it turns out that they fall in love and she's got terminal cancer and she's going to die at like 17 or 18 or something. <laughs> okay. and, but the experience changes his life and I'm like, it's just a long-term fridging. Okay. It's well, like, I mean, okay, that's an interesting perspective. It sounds very melodramatic, mostly. I'm just like, I'm not saying that these experiences don't happen. It's just like... Yeah. Sometimes you can tell by the poster and the trailer mm-hmm. that it's like it's torture it's not like torture porn but it's definitely like yeah sad porn yeah yeah so movies like that were definitely not in consideration for you no. like. okay so let me talk about my experience a little yeah. bit at first i was like oh this will be perfect because one of my first things ever since i was like 12 in terms of whether or not I liked a movie, was did it make me cry? Did it earn like an emotional reaction oh, as cool. strong as you that? You were like from cognitive me, right? of that, like at age twelve. You were like, yes. this is a requirement. Yes, and the first movie that like really did that for me uh, may or may not have made my list. I'll we'll find out in a second. But that was my first thing. And then when I sat down to think of those, I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what were they? And so I had to go through my flick chart list. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that helped with my recall. But some of it was challenging because I was like, wait, does that movie make me cry? I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Well, you know? and I figured we would have to talk about possibly if it wasn't a spoiler, we'd have to talk about what was the scene that made us cry or what was the action that made us cry? Yes, that is what we will be doing here for sure. And, and you're right. As, as long we, if, if the thing is something that is a spoiler for the movie, we will talk around it, talk vaguely about it. But yeah, mostly this will be a spoiler-free discussion, of course, because we want you to, to have these experiences too, hopefully. Uh, of course, this is like, about as subjective a list as you can come up with. All favorites lists are, but like, be it movies that that scare the crap out of me, movies that make me laugh the hardest, movies that make me cry. That doesn't get more subjective than that, right? So, at any rate, yeah, I eventually did come up with someone. Then it was a challenge for me to boil it down to twelve movies. So there's a lot of movies that didn't make my list, and I will address. I'll try to remember to address those at the end here. Is there anything else you want to touch on about this? Well, I just hopped onto my flick chart and instantly I saw one that I'm like, oh, that's going to pop off and join the list. (laughs) Okay, very good. All right, well, why don't we get started? If you're ready, why don't you share with us what your 12th favorite movie that makes you cry is? Sure, as I go through my flick chart, (laughs) I change my list. So it's Won't You Be My Neighbor from 2018. Mm. And so that's just like, it falls into that category of like, this is someone amazing that changed a lot of people's lives. It's described as an exploration of the life lessons and legacy of iconic children's television host, Fred Rogers. And it's just like, you can tell in the trailer that you are going to cry, but it doesn't feel like manipulative. It's just like, here's this rarity that was in our world Mm. that was so focused on doing good. And so unfortunately I can't pinpoint like exact moments and I'm trying not to cry because I just have to look at his face and I'm like, Oh, I just know that you're a good person. But there's a, there's a lot of scenes where I cried in Mm. this film because he was just 
Fred Rogers was just so focused on doing good. Mm. And even when there was bad stuff, like protests happening, and even when it was like the protesting side wasn't like the best side, he was still like, let's go find out who needs help there, who's helping, uh, let's go be there for them. And that was just so sweet that he was able to like bring it down to like even a worst case scenario. How do we help? How do we be there for each other? How do we keep our humanity? So that's kind of that one. Why don't you be my neighbor? That is available on Netflix. I just found out. That is an excellent choice because that is a very moving and touching documentary. That was a great, great pick. Great experience. My number 12 we're going to stay in the early 90s here for a little bit for me. 1993 is where we're going to start. And my first pick, uh, by the way, I should note, uh, ha- most of my movies until like the second half of my list are only available to rent. So just FYI, I'm putting that out there. I'm not going to forget to mention most of these movies are only available to rent on Amazon or Apple TV+. Plus. So there we go. Starting with this movie from 1993, Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams, Sally Field. I can't look at you because, like, I feel like I'm going to cry if I look at you. Okay. Pierce Brosnan also stars. So here's the thing. It's a story. It's a comedy. It's ostensibly a comedy. And it is hilarious. And it is great. And it's one of Robin Williams' best films, probably easily in his top five, about a father who's going through a divorce uh, and he's heartbroken by that divorce in the first place. Robin Williams plays that so beautifully when when that time comes. He's crestfallen. And the, the thing about it is he's going to be separated from his kids. He's deemed to be unfit in his lifestyle to be able to be with his kids on his own without any sort of observa- observer, I should say. And... He wants to be with his kids. He loves his kids. So he pretends to be a nanny that his ex-wife hires uh, so he could be with his kids more. Great film. But here's what here's what gets me, just absolutely destroys me. And I won't be too specific. <laughs> there is a, a monologue at the end of the film. Where a where Mrs. Doubtfire is reading a letter mm. from a kid. And that scene, that whole it's like the thesis of the whole film, right? And and that scene, that monologue just destroys me. You know, because also I think like and it always has, because you also have to think like, well, Today, it might seem a little quaint because, like, divorces happen all the time and mixed families happen all the time and stuff. But, like, at at back then, like, there weren't really movies that actually addressed the impact on the kids yeah. and the impact on, on um, especially fathers, right? Yeah. And so uh, this movie was able to tap into that. And being a father now, and, like, it, it, it got me when I was a teen – and, and being a father now who's gone through similar experiences where with I did not dress up as a nanny. I was going to say, where are the photos? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the core of it, at the heart of it, I've gone through similar experiences. So it does tap into something for me now as an adult, too. So that's number 12 for me. Mrs. Doubtfire, 1993. 
All right. I was going to swap out other things on my list, but I'm like, I'm just going to stick to this. It's fine. <laughs> it's going to be, otherwise it's just going to be all over the place. So my next one is uh, available on Netflix, 2019's Marriage Story. Oh, interesting pick. We're, we're running with the divorce thing well, here. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I'm also noticing a lot of my stuff is like recent, but with like three or four that aren't. So that's just the way it goes, I guess. So tell us about Marriage Story. Why is yeah. it a movie that makes you cry? So it's also like, you know, a family going through divorce, but we get to see them go through it. And we're kind of there from the beginning of the divorce. Yes. It ranges from like, we're going to keep things civil. Mm-hmm. And it rapidly declines. Mm. And there are horrible things that have been said. There are horrible things that get done physically to each other. And it's so relatable. Even if you haven't gone through a divorce, if you just had a fight or an argument with someone you love, like it's very difficult not to cry right now. And we're back. So <laughs> after she she already had to reach for the tissues. Oh my gosh. It is a particular scene where there it gets a little physical and it gets very hurtful, very hateful uh word choices and it's just it's so relatable. And what's great about it is in that scene he's also they're both recognizing are you their talking hatred. about the, Are you talking about the the blow up in the apartment? Yeah. Okay. They they both recognize their hatred and how that's not good. <laughs> uh-huh. And I just, I love that scene. The rest, they, you know, it's not all dramatic. There's a lot of funny moments that yeah. happen in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, it's all relatable. And uh, But it's that scene that makes me cry. Oh, wow. Very cool. My number 11 is, oh, man, this movie. Okay. This movie is one of the early ones that has always gotten me. Always gotten me. If you are a guy and if you have ever had any sort of, whether or not it's actually objectively true, but you have some sort of perspective of father-son relationship, this will get to you. Also, like it, it affects you differently throughout your life. It's called My Life. It's okay. 1993. Okay, it's a Michael Keaton film. Nicole Kidman stars as his wife. Michael Keaton plays a guy, kind of a a hot shot. I I don't even remember exactly what his field is anymore. It's been a while for me, but he's definitely this hot shot guy living in the city. He left his family, uh, his, his parents, his brother, all of them. He left town. And he, he decided to strike it out. His dad is a guy who worked for apparently a metal company, a scrapyard or some sort of a recycling company, worked all the time, was never really there for his sons because he was always busy providing for his sons. And it really strained the relationship between Michael Keaton's character and his, his father. And... The thing is, he's stricken with cancer and he's dying. And his wife is pregnant. And so he is just hoping to be able to make it long enough to see his child born. But in the meantime, he's secretly recording these videos of him, hopefully teaching his son life lessons 
not just like aphorisms, but, you know, just like, here's how you enter a room or here's how you shave, you know, different things that his son will hopefully view one day as he gets older. I really enjoyed the here's how you do a handshake. Right. Yeah. And he did it a few times of like, here's how you don't do it. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Like this. Not like this. Like this. Not like this. Right. Cute. Yeah. So there's humor in it. But man, there is a memory, a core memory he has attached to the possibility of a circus being in his backyard for his birthday. And that comes full circle in the end of the film. And oh my God, it destroys me every single time. I'm like even bracing for it when I watch when I do watch the film, which is usually to show somebody. But oh man. There's a lot there that that um, that definitely uh, is very effective for me, and I've always loved it uh, for that. And um, and yeah, so it, it made it onto my list. 1993, My Life, starring Michael Keaton. See, I just I can't look at you because I want to cry because you're crying. <laughs> this is just such a freaking mess. Who came up with this idea again? You. you. <laughs> So my next one is from, yay, 1998. Okay. Uh, and it has made me cry since the first time I saw it. Okay. It is Stepmom. Oh, huh. Yeah. Okay. Again with divorce. You love this. Yeah, apparently <laughs> this is parents, what gets me. Yeah, your parents, my parents are divorced. are together. My mother's parents, though, divorced. And back then it was it was a really shameful thing because it was also such a Christian-heavy community. So as far as I understand, and I could be wrong, as my mother told me about a previous episode (laughs) that they listened to, but it was very hard for her uh, growing up because people looked at her differently and treated Mm. her differently. So, But what is it about stepmom that taps in? Because that's definitely removed from you, that experience, right? So what is it about that movie? Yeah. Is there a particular scene or is there something else about it that makes you cry? It's not just about divorce, right? It's a terminally ill woman dealing with her ex-husband's new lover who will be their children's stepmother. So what gets me every time is the connection that eventually forms between stepmom and stepdaughter and then the... I don't like having to fight these tears so much <laughs> um there's there's a moment where mom and stepmom come together uh. and i'm like oh you know always heartbreaking so i bet we sound absolutely terrible <laughs> is it <laughs> I, I i'm curious is this a movie that's affected you differently as you've gone through life you've been yeah. a nanny you're a stepmom also have you noticed when you watch it during these different phases of your life that it affects you differently? Well, you see, the stepmom in this movie has absolutely no experience with children. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ha ha, she's funny because she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> you know, whereas I've had a lot of experience with different children. And so when I became a stepmom, it was a little different. Uh, but... It's the dynamics and the knocking of heads that's relatable for sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So Stepmom, 1998. Mm -hmm. My 10th favorite. uh, I should also say that most of my list 
not yet, but most of my list actually come from my 100 favorite movies of all time. So I, that was a great resource for me here. Awesome. Uh, this is the third one. I can't believe this one didn't make my list. I was so confident that it was on my list. I thought I wrote about it. I could swear I'd seen it on the list of my 100 favorite movies of all time. Uh, apparently it's not, but it's definitely going to be on here. It is from 1986. It is Stand By Me by Rob Reiner. Of course, based on the novella The Body by Stephen King, it is about a group of 12-year-olds who just, who scheme to uh, go off on their own on an adventure to find a local boy's body that uh, apparently went missing. So the thing about this film that gets me is it is one of those movies where one of the main characters is an adult and he's remembering this time. Hmm. Okay. Because he gets news. Uh, this isn't a spoiler because I'm pretty sure it's like revealed in the first five minutes. He learns that one of the main characters died. And so he's remembering this time with them. And the great thing about this film is it taps into this time when you of your life where you have these friendships that mean a lot to you. And, and there's something about the very end of it that I won't reveal. There's a sort of monologue that's actually in text. That is that that's uh, very poignantly reflecting on this time period. And it, you know, it gets it gets to me, you know. So um, and there's I think there's a voiceover, too, in the end. That's part of it. So that really gets to me. It's specific to friends that you might have when you're 12. But I think that, like, it's something that you can relate to if you've had any long time friendships from your adolescence that that stuck with you so stand by me 1986 one of the best films of the 80s it's my 10th favorite movie that makes me cry my next one is also recent 2020 never rarity sometimes always this is interesting this is an interesting pick tell me tell us about this well, it's about two teenage girls in rural Pennsylvania traveling to New York City to seek me- medical help after an unintended pregnancy. It is... An abortion, not not just any medical help, right? Yeah, and she has been messed around by the local pregnancy ag- agencies. Yeah, yeah, what, what, yeah, pregnancy clinics, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. That's a reference to our discussion of 12th and Delaware, the, the documentary a couple episodes back pregnancy clinic that have said to her oh you're only nine weeks like something ridiculous like you're only six or eight weeks along you've got more time to decide you don't you don't in that state as far as i understand or county whatever the the lines are um and so they have to travel to new york to get help Mm. and then she finds out how far along she really is she still needs help and we never know what the what the pregnancy as a result from what the situation was mm. and that doesn't matter because it's none of our fucking business what what makes me cry about this film it's another one of those where it's like different points in the film i'm crying because it's a story that is so relatable it's not just about an abortion it's about 
the way that men behave towards young girls who are trying to just do their jobs, trying to just get through life, trying to just get through school and how just trying to help a friend. They are all, they have these good intentions and they are coming up against men that are doing disgusting, gross, abusive, manipulative, horrible things to them. And it's, it's everyday examples that you will see. And if you were ever ignorant about what is, what is she talking about? This surely can't be a thing. I have no idea. Go and watch this because it, lays it out on a plate, makes it really easy to digest. Every time something happened, I would say to you, that's happened to me. That's happened to me. And you had no idea. And I just think it's like such an important film. And so I cry at different points with that, depending on what's going on. But a cry or three is definitely guaranteed in this film because it is so relatable. And it just... It's one of those things where you watch this film and you're like, oh, I can relate to this. But then you start thinking like, what about the young girls in my life that I love? And what about if I have a girl one day? Because unfortunately, what this movie does show as well is like, these behaviors have not stopped. They have happened all through the century, all through life uh, existing, and it's going to continue to happen until we address it, until we stop it. And it will happen to our girls. It will happen to them unless we start doing things differently. So now that I've cried my eyes out, you had a question or something? No, no, no. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. That's a great film. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Best of its year. For sure. Yeah, it's not available to stream anywhere, but last time I checked, it's like $10 to buy the DVD. So just just go freaking buy it. Wow, I can't (laughs) believe it's not even available to rent. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so my ninth... Oh, I think it's available to rent on iTunes or Apple. You mean Apple TV Plus, probably? Okay. So my ninth favorite movie that makes me cry is my first animated pick. Oh, yay. It's from 1988. It, it is the anime Grave of the Fireflies. Oh. This is a film it's an, that shows that animation can be much more than just anthropomorphic animals. That is the worst unexpected cry. Like, that's in the top list of that category. <laughs> like, okay. I never knew I was going to cry. My brother said... Are you sure you want to show Shanna that movie? <laughs> I thought something was going to happen with a dog. I don't think there were any dogs in this film. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. So it's about uh, two kids, essentially, one significantly older than another, it seems, that are trying to survive after the bombing of Hiroshima. And it's... It's rough, guys. Uh, what 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 is so affecting is the animation. Uh, this is a drama. This is a straight drama, no songs, nothing, uh, and it is more effective than so than so many other dramas. Like probably most of the dramas of 
the 80s, right? It's just an incredibly powerful piece, and it just destroys you in the end. I think a lot of it is the animation and how they are able to capture the innocence of the youngest sibling Mm. that makes it so hard. And like some people would stay away from this movie just because they're afraid of being affected that strongly. But for me, it's like, no, I embrace a piece of art that can affect me this strongly. I gravitate to something like that. It, earns it through its artistic through its artistry and so i've always loved grave of the fireflies since i saw it in college it's a profound film and uh, i encourage uh, you to to rush to it uh any means that you can as well so uh that's my ninth favorite movies that make make me cry all right my next one is available on disney plus it is from 2017 it's a pixar film coco Really? Oh my gosh, throughout the whole thing. This is an aspiring musician child, Miguel, confronted with his family's ancestral ban on music, enters the land of the dead to find his great-great-grandfather a legendary singer. This movie has me crying throughout the film. It is just so... It's so beautifully made. The world Mm. is just stunning. Mm. And the characters are so relatable you know we have like the angry (laughs) the very angry hurt great grandmother i think great grandmother it's been a while great 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 grandmother and uh you know then we have everyone in between that's kind of inherited that anger and it's so interesting to see it's a great execution of sort of ancestral baggage and it's very relatable and I just cry at all sorts of different moments, but you know, every Pixar film has a pivotal cry scene, you know, like a really important one. And that's when I cry. Hmm. So yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. So for me, that's a, that's a surprising pick, but very cool. All right. It's also, it falls into the category of like a cleansing cry. I need to cry. Haven't had an emotional release. I'm going to put on Coco. (laughs) Very good. So sometimes a movie will make you cry for reasons other than sadness. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it will be because of joy. Sometimes it'll be because of a certain type of power that it has. My number eight pick from 2018 is one of those. It is... Bohemian Rhapsody. Really? Oh, I see. If I because I, I think of the, the experience seeing it in the theater mm-hmm. and it was a one of the best experiences I had going to the theater, especially that year, because I am a fan of Queen Longtime fan since I was a kid. I basically decided it's my favorite band of all time. And so watching Bohemian Rhapsody with uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury and the rest of the cast as Brian May and Roger Taylor, it was like seeing Freddie Mercury brought back to life. And it was like seeing this band back together again. 
And I, I, I think, I think what, what was really powerful for me, if I recall correctly, was especially the concert in the last 25 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it was this powerful thing of like bringing these bringing this person back to life and just being able to experience them again. You know, and I, and I was too young to be able to like see Queen in concert, you mm-hmm. know, when, when before he died. He died when I was like maybe not even 11 or something, you know. And in so, the 90s? Yeah, ni- oh. I, I believe he died in 1991. Okay. Okay. So, you know, and I I was aware of him, aware of the band more or less between 86 and 91. Um, really got into them in the early 90s. And uh, so I was too young to be able to experience it myself, but it was like being able to. And so that was very powerful for me. And very, I, fo- I thought the film was very effective as a fan of the band. So that is my number eight, my eighth favorite movie that makes me cry, Bohemian Rhapsody from 2018. That's a really good choice. My number seven is from 2014, John Wick. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, <laughs> you really? You spat out your cook. <laughs> no, I didn't even take a drink yet, oh, but I'm s- okay. So is it because of the beginning of the movie? Yeah. And so, the trauma that you have that triggers you? So I'm, I'm going to talk about it if I may. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, it's generally an action film like that. I wouldn't expect on this list. Okay, well, it's very obvious why I cry. An ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took his car. But really, it's for the dog. John Wick retires from this hitman life, and his wife dies. This is only the first few minutes of the film. And she leaves him this puppy, and she, you know, he gets to bond with this puppy, and uh, this, this dog gets killed. And it's very traumatic, but... The rampage of revenge that John Wick goes on has extended to about four movies at this point. Um, Yes, this is actually a very timely (laughs) pick because the weekend that we are recording this, this, the fourth chapter has come out. Oh, really? Okay. I cry because the dog dies and I can relate to that completely, but... I go through this like thrill ride of emotions afterwards because revenge is a favorite uh, theme for me to watch. It's why I'm like so drawn to like Quentin Tarantino films. Okay. And so I, I love this film for that. Keanu Reeves is awesome. I still think that we should have a calendar (laughs) <laughs> with John Wick posing with different animals in sexy, minimal clothing, and the calendar should be sold to help raise funds for whatever. Like PETA or something. Yeah, I don't know. something. Like, I don't know what the organizations are actually in, in this country, but I can only think of local ones. But uh-huh. I think that that would do well. <laughs> I st- If I could illustrate, we, we came back from Comic-Con and I was like, if... Damn it, if I could illustrate, I saw somebody drew Mario and Luigi in this very sexy way, and I was like, what is happening? Uh, if I could draw like that, I would make it myself and like donate the funds to the local uh, shelter. But anyway, it's a brief cry, but it hits me nonetheless. That's a surprising pick because we talked about movies that 
in some way touch on a trauma. Yeah. You know? And and I would think that would be one of them. Oh, yes. For no, you. It's definitely a trauma that gets triggered, but it's balanced by the revenge. Okay. So I feel like it's this unique thing that needs to get mentioned. All right. My seventh favorite movie that makes me cry is Eternal Sunshine from the Spotless Mind. That almost made my list. Or of the Spotless Mind. 2004 almost made your list. It's, it's my first movie that's available on a streaming service. You can see it on Amazon Prime. So this came to mind because we showed our son this movie a couple months ago. And there is a particular scene, especially, first of all, the, the, the film is just extraordinary. One of the, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. And it, it's great for so many reasons. We've talked about this movie many times on this podcast. Um, but what, what makes me cry is especially is there's this profound scene when he, uh, Joel, is trying to run from the memory erasers and takes Clementine with him to a childhood memory. And this childhood memory is him being egged on and dared to, I think, uh, kill a bird yeah. with a hammer. And it's, um, it's extraordinarily touching because he, he does the act and he breaks down and he cries. And Clementine is in the memory as a little girl. And like there's this really tender score. And she takes him by the hand. And she says, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's okay. He just consult. She just consults him. And it's just like. <laughs> See, this is why I kept it off my list. Because <laughs> this is like total breakdown. It's incredibly profound and, and, and so simple. And it just, um, it's, it's so beautifully done. And it's just, uh, it just wrecks me that, that moment. So, uh, and it's just a, it's a, a overall a, a, an incredible film. So it's on, it's one of my favorite movies that makes me cry. Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind from 2004 on Amazon Prime. It's an important scene too, because... Sometimes you don't know how to react to someone who's done something horrible in the past that wasn't necessarily their fault. And to see that behavior modeled of, it's going to be okay, it wasn't your fault, You're, you were just a kid, is really sweet. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> it's getting... This it, is like the worst <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, and, and we anyway. still have six more to go. Oh, so, shit. Um, I, I think, unless... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't you share with oh, yeah. us your sixth favorite cool. movie that makes you cry? I don't think it gets worse than that one, though. That one's a pretty powerful one. Oh, just wait. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so my next one is, isn't too crazy it's toy story 3 from 2010 um this is just such a great trilogy and yes there's <laughs> only three movies so it's a trilogy yes <laughs> you, like break away from your tissue just like throw that in there it's hilarious yeah so this was just a really great way to sort of 
package the series up and finish things with Andy. And there are two specific moments that really get me crying. Like something is about to happen to the toys that could end the toys. And then there's something that happens later. That's just like a really good goodbye. Yeah. It's a really good fearful cry. And then like, this is what needs to happen. Cry. Oh so yeah. It's just really yeah. wonderfully done. The score is great. The story is perfect. It's a great way to end the trilogy. Yes. It was a great uh, way to say goodbye to these characters. I'm so glad they never made any other toy story movies. Cause that was the right decision. <laughs> My sixth favorite movie that makes me cry is. It feels it, like you're trying to rip it like a band aid. It's, it's from 2014. And I think, you know, this was the one where I couldn't peg a particular moment. I think I just remember watching it again uh, last year or the year before, sometime during the pandemic, and it, it moving me I, for whatever reason. It's life itself. It's the documentary mm. about Roger Ebert, not that other movie that you alluded to before. The bullshit movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, like, for me, I grew up with Roger Ebert. I grew up with Siskel and Ebert. Like, they were huge, formative experiences for me on how to talk about movies and how to talk about movies and disagree about movies with other people. It was never, it was never personal. It was never, like... <laughs> It was never a personal attack because yeah. you disagreed or anything like that, right? So they, and and so being able to criticize a film, what was good about a, about a film and why it doesn't work, they were building blocks for me as far as that. And then going into like being an English major and literary criticism, that that kind of fueled it too. But watching this documentary about him periodically it just it 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 makes me cry it 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 touches me it moves me Uh, it's not it's not anything particularly sad i don't think in the documentary that affects me i think it's just something about watching this documentary about this huge cinephile that's formative of of my life Mm. that that touches me and, and and moves me to tears so it's it's definitely a movie that I feel I, I gravitate to wanting to see um, more often than other movies too. So that's a life itself number six on my list from 2014. All right, my next one is not available to stream, but you could rent it just about anywhere. It is the farewell from 2019. Huh? Yeah, a Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live Mm -hmm. and decide to keep her in the dark scheduling a wedding gathering uh before she dies right triple f rated it is it's amazing directed and written by lulu wang her story and uh it stars aquafina and shuzen zhao and several others but those are the two key players there uh, this is just, it's such a relatable film. Billy is the character that we're following. She lived in China and then they, you know, her and her family immigrated to America and then they go back and things have changed. And so there's a lot to relate to other than, you know, grandma's dying. So we need to come together and, you know, share our love of her. There's little things that I can relate to as an immigrant going back to your homeland where like 
things have changed. She wants to go see those things, but those things aren't there anymore. And it's like kind of grasping at memories almost Mm. that you're trying to reconnect with. And just like the acknowledgement of missing out on time with a relative is, is very gut wrenching for me. Yeah. So that's the farewell. Hmm. Very cool. All right. So we're, we're over halfway through. Are you ready? Yeah. Here comes my fifth favorite movie that makes me cry. Oh, good. <laughs> it is from 1986. It is An American Tale. Oh, great. I'm going to like totally try to steal myself right now. Okay, so this was a huge Please child. don't do the thing. I have to. Please just, don't do the just thing Just wait, that just you wait, do. just wait. I have to, but just wait. This, is, this was a huge childhood favorite of mine. This was, like, if you were an 80s kid... There was at least one Don Bluth film that was a huge part of your childhood. And for me, it was an American tale. It, it wasn't just American tale, but it was especially an American tale. And it has a great songbook. I absolutely adore the songbook to this film. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. But even though I never had any experience like this whatsoever, there is something about this story about a child being separated from his family, you know, and, and, and it's an immigrant story too, mm. that that uh, touches me, and, and, and more so as an adult. First of all, I will say the opening title credits are so beautiful with its with its animation of snowflakes and its score that just that combination alone moves me to tears. I'm not looking at you right now and I'm trying to like zone out. <laughs> but and there's there is a scene somewhere in the middle that that moves me to tears, but there is also especially at the end uh, I will just say papa papa uh. Oh my god. And you just you could be saying that at any point during the day. Yeah. And we're doing anything. Just reference it. And I just start crying when you do it because yeah. it's like all those emotions get relived. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pushing I it. I hate when you do it. I, I hate it so much. Yeah, I'm pushing it away right now, but yes, that that movie. Oh my god. Ugh. Oh, uh, it was my second animated movie on my list, and it just oh, it wrecks me. It's just a, a, it's an absolutely beautiful film, so beautifully animated, so wonderfully scored. I think by James Horner, um, and just moments like that just really touch on some tap into something that's just oh, oh, it's just beautiful. I love it so much. An American Tale, my fifth favorite movie. It's from nineteen eighty six. You know, something that we have not talked about is how the Oscars went. We'll talk about that uh-huh. in, the, in the next episode. <laughs> My next film is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is... Interesting. Which is the Oscar-awarded brilliant film. Yes. And it what got, did it got? Seven? It got all the Oscars we wanted it to Yeah. Get. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah. So that's why you brought it up. Yeah. So we can talk more about it later. Yes. In a different episode. 
a middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. Thankfully, it's gotten to a point where you have to have been living in the cave the past month or so to not have heard of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is very exciting. It's yeah. very, very exciting. For an A24 film and for a film of this kind, absolutely. Yeah. Directed by the Daniels. Uh, it's starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Sue, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Oscar winner. Kiyo Kwon, right? That's right. Yeah. I absolutely love this film so freaking much for so many different reasons. Yeah. What's, what's, what is it that makes you cry about it, though? Oh, good. Is there a particular scene yeah, there or is. something? Okay. And it gets referenced at the Oscars, and it's it's like, I would be happy to. I would be happy. <laughs> oh, this sucks. Anyway, what's awesome is this movie came out when we were getting our taxes ready. Okay. And in, and we had a fight and like we went to go watch this movie. Yeah. And in this movie, they say I would much rather have done laundry and taxes with you in another life just to be with you. Yeah. And it's just it's so perfect. I'm guessing that's the moment that gets you. No, of course not. <laughs> I'm or, just falling apart for fun. Well, I, I I was expecting you to say it was the scene by the car. Between the mother and daughter. Oh, it doesn't mean there aren't other scenes that get me too. But that's but the that, one. Okay. That is the one. Yeah. Because, you know, finances are so hard. <laughs> yes, that's the reason. <laughs> okay. so hard. <laughs> um, and getting ready for taxes is difficult. And making these difficult decisions uh, suck. <laughs> but it's part of life. And so if you can have a person to do them with, it makes it a lot easier. And it's a great but it's also it's a great reminder of that. Yeah. It's also a symbol of mundanity, too. Yeah. And I just, I can't pull myself together, apparently, for this one. <laughs> so, uh, no. if you could hand me a tissue, that would be great. <laughs> but, yeah, there's lots of, there's a lot of, like, fun stuff that happens in this film. There's a lot yeah. of relatable stuff. The mother-daughter relationship is relatable. The immigrant story is relatable. Paying fucking taxes and not having a tax preparation person or the right person to help you is completely and utterly fucking relatable there's just there's so much happening in this film that is relatable and it's told in such a crazy fucking way so a lot of things are relatable and a lot of things make me cry in this film but it's specifically the taxes that Mm. make me cry well let me share my fourth favorite Movie that makes me cry. All right, let's hear it. It is actually because, mostly because of one part of the movie. Okay. It is from 1994. It is The Lion King. <gasps> Yay. Available on Disney Plus. The the 1994 version, let's be clear, not the uh, crappy 20-whatever version. Uh-huh. So you would think it would be the scene when Mufasa dies at the end of the first act. Right. And yeah, that, that that's that that's touching. But I think honestly, I don't I don't think I'm I cry as often in that moment or am as strongly as affected. 
as honestly the pre-title sequence. The pre-title oh, yeah. sequence, it's not this is not an example of tears of sadness. It's just so powerful. The the beauty of the animation, the the strength and the power of the title song or the not title song, but the song Circle of Life. All of that culminating together to a big, strong, powerful thump that shows the title of the movie. It's so powerful. It is it is some of the, the strongest, most powerful pieces of cinema that Disney Animation Studios has ever created. And just the strength of that sequence alone moves me to tears. And that that's like the rest of the movie is a masterpiece. And I love the movie. It's a favorite film of mine by bar none. Um, but as far as moving me to tears or affecting me to that extent, that's what does it for me. So it is my fourth favorite movie that makes me cry. That's a good scene to cry about. Good job. My next one is another Pixar film. Okay. It is up. Uh Aha. I mean, you just mentioned the title, and anybody who's seen yeah. that movie knows why. What's cool about this one is they get the crying out of the way straight away. <laughs> like the first just, 10, 12 minutes. Just about, yeah. And I don't know if I've ever shared this story on here before, but like my brother and I were going to watch it together. And I was like, well, can you go get some snacks? And he went to go get some snacks. And I started watching it without him just to see. And I watched the first 10 minutes. Wow, he know. took a long time getting some chips. He was, it was like other things too, okay? <laughs> he was being really nice. And uh, he walks into the... I take it back as I hear him coming down the passage. And he walks into the room and my eyes are like bloodshot from crying. And he's like, you started it without me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... It's such a great montage of life. And it's such an injustice of losing out on not having a particular experience with his wife before she passes. Mm. But then it turns into this fantastic film about being angry about that and just going and getting what you want and having other relationships uh, develop as you're doing that. And I just thought that that was a really... It's such a great film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, no no need to explain practically. I mean, that that montage is just And the music kills me by Michael Giacchino. It's yeah. just ah, oh, the whole thing. Anyway, what's your number 3? All right, my third favorite movie that makes me cry, like most of these movies, among my favorite movies of all time. 1971, which might make it the oldest movie on my list. It is The Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, this movie is just extraordinary. I love this movie so much. One of the greatest sound books, uh, song, sound books. One of my, one of the greatest sound books in musical history. I, I love it so much. Easily one of my favorite song books. But here's the thing. It is, while it is essentially about like these, these Russians, these Jewish Russians who are going through this tumultuous time, 
uh, where they are hearing that uh, Jews are being pushed out of their homes and some are immigrating, uh, emigrating to other countries and stuff. It's basically American Tale. It, it, yeah, it's a prequel to American Tales, what it is. Um, it is, you know, it's about how you hold on to these customs that you have, these traditions you have, how you hold on to your faith and everything that, that makes up your community. But even on a microcosm beyond that, it's about a father with his daughters growing up and them coming to a time in their life when they're... Uh, fallen in love or need to be married off and there's customs there's traditions around those things and what happens when the next generation you know each each person wants to do something different and really struggling with that kind of change especially the more and more that change affects your core beliefs there's something very profound about that but also, like, just the, the basic emotional core of a father struggling with his daughters growing up. As I get older, I, I understand and I relate and I, I, I get Tevya's struggle in, in different ways. Even if I've never actually experienced his experiences... I find Topol's performance of this character's experiences to be profound and to be moving. It, it's often uh, humorous, too. Mm-hmm. It's very balanced film. But I, get, I am moved often by his performance in this film. And uh, so it's a beautiful film. I think also songs like uh, Sunrise, Sunset oh, has, yeah. has a pregnancy to it, too. Uh, there's there's a lot there that I appreciate and uh, I, I am moved by. So Fiddler on the Roof is my third favorite movie that makes me cry from 1971. All right, Shanna. What is your second favorite movie that makes you cry? This is the oldest one I have from 1964. It makes me cry at different times depending on where my life experience is at. Uh-huh. It is available on Disney Plus. It is Mary Poppins. So that was one where I was like, "Does that movie make me cry?" And I, I couldn't recall. Uh, that was a very good choice. What What is it about the film? Yeah. What does it tap into for you? You know, before it used to be like I would cry with the kids as a younger individual, but watching it with you know, any of the nanny kids that I've had, I have found that I cry at different times. Mm. And the most recent time was like, okay, I cry when Bert talks to the kids about, well, have you thought about how your dad feels Mm. going to the bank, going Mm. to work by himself away from you guys and not being able to have any time for himself and things like that. That was incredibly powerful recently. And uh, I wasn't expecting the tears to come at that point. <laughs> it was a bit of a shocking surprise for me. And I don't necessarily like to cry in front of my charges. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I had to like quickly do something to like hide the tears because oh, uh, obviously that kind of goes over the younglings' heads. So yeah, you, um, you don't want to make them worry. Like, what? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to explain through my tears why I'm crying, even though I'm doing that right now on this podcast. So I am I am crying at different times with this film. I think. I also have cried when it's time for Mary Poppins to leave and mm. the kids are crying. So mm. I'm like, oh, this is a little relatable, a little too much because I have had to move on from families before. Yeah. So uh, that gets me every time. And sometimes it's unexpected where I'm going to cry in the two, two and a half hour mm. experience, but it will happen. You know, you're reminding me this, this movie uh, even though I didn't think I wasn't sure, I think it might've been a contender for my list in hindsight, because I think there's like a reprise of the life I lead or something like that mm. by the father uh, with Bert that I think is the one that affects oh, yeah. me. If I recall correctly, uh, just because of like just the father reflecting on his life and what he's been missing on it and, and clicking. I think that that affects me. Uh, yeah, quite, yeah. Bert kind of uses a little bit of reverse psychology there yeah, to yeah. get him to, hey, get out of your your groove, your work groove there and reset. Come on. Yeah. OK, so <clears throat> my second favorite movie that makes me cry is a little <laughs> bit different. Uh, it is also on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. It is from 2019. And this is also a different one where it's not about um, making me feel sad. It is Avengers Endgame. <gasps> oh, I, I, I considered that one. The portal sequence. Mm-hmm. That is the culmination of years of experience as a comic book fan and as a comic book fan seeing his comic books come alive on screen yeah that portal sequence is a is a build up of so much coming to life mm-hmm. in one moment it is a giant splash page yeah and it is oh my god there's moments where i just think about it uh, mm-hmm. Or just think of, hear the song, hear the piece going uh, by... Alan Silvestri. Thank you, Alan Silvestri. And I will start choking up. Yeah. It is... I can't look at you right now. Yeah. It, it's it's not that I'm... It's, and by no means that I'm sad. It's just so powerful for me. Yeah. And it's just so joy. It's so much joy. The joy of cinema right there. Of, of a, being a, a comic book geek. And years of things coming to a head here in this moment, seeing all these characters appear on the screen. Oh, it's <laughs> it's extraordinary. It is an extraordinary moment. And it is an achievement of like so many years of Marvel Studios crossing their fingers. Can we pull this off? Can we pull this off? And Boy, it just—it's an extraordinary culmination of things, and it is really powerful for me as a fan. And uh, so, absolutely, my second favorite movie that makes me cry: Avengers: Endgame from 2019 on Disney Plus. I think it's also a really unique experience, and I don't know how it will be lived by people in the future because 
we were with the movies as they were being released and there was a waiting period. Yeah. And if you remember how how the last film left off, it Infinity was War. almost traumatizing. <laughs> and so to see everything come together the way it does in the portal scene is beautiful. And it's also like a great comparison of like, well, what if humanity just came together? You know. Sure. Yeah, Infinity War and Endgame are, for very different reasons, ex- extraordinary theatrical experiences mm-hmm. uh, that I'll never forget. But yeah, Endgame is one of my absolute favorite theatrical experience, going to the theater and, you know, just having the power of the screen, all of that being projected on a 30 foot screen uh, was extraordinary for me. So, Shanna, what is your favorite movie that makes to you cry, to. cry. <laughs> to cry with it is from 1988 it's my don bluth oh it's land the land before time okay uh an orphan brontosaurus teams up with other young dinosaurs in order to reunite with their families in the great valley and there are so many things that happen in this film that make me cry because it's all these children basically that are trying, they have the same goal and they're trying to get there, but they're children. So they're trying to figure out how to work together or not work together and how to come back together. And it's, it's a lot of emotional stuff going on, Mm. but the most heartbreaking part that happens in the first 20 minutes of the film is when the mother dies, we see her die. We see her fight for her kid. Yeah. And there's nothing that Littlefoot can do yeah. except go on the journey by himself. And then he gets... Well, with his grandparents, him. too. His grandparents are there. He loses his grandparents. They get separated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. It's Otherwise, been a while. Otherwise, it wouldn't... Yeah, 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 yeah. What the hell? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I just Apparently, remember the grandparents Don were Bluth alive. Bluth likes to separate kids and parents. Yes. <laughs> so they can have a journey of growth. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, it, it makes me cry for that, especially. And I just have to think of, you know, there's this beautiful scene in the beginning of the film where it's like evolution. I thought of another scene that makes me cry. So I'm just going to like calm down. (laughs) Anyway, I just have to, in my mind, I can play the first few minutes of this film perfectly in my head. Yeah. It's so weird to have that ability to do that. I obviously watched this way too much um, as a kid, but I can I can basically zone out and see the fir- see and hear the first three minutes perfectly in my head, much like Ghostbusters. And you know, another scene is when they when they all get to the valley and yeah. the Great Valley. Yeah, it's like the American Tale, but times five. <laughs> really. Because there's all these families coming together for their kids. And it's just so sweet. And I can't keep it together anymore. <laughs> and my dog is going to lick my face because she's like, why are you crying? <laughs> so I enjoy that part where all these families are getting reunited with their kids. And there's like a bonus kid that gets like adopted into the family. And it's just... The score is powerful, too. I think it's James Horner. I think so. So, I could be wrong. Anyway, that is my number one for sure. Because apparently, I just have to think about it. 
and well, I'll just cry. That was the other Don Bluth movie that was a big part of my childhood. I was a little too young for The Secret of Nim to be that affecting for yeah. me. Well, you know, I also it had like... a presence in my childhood, but sure. it wasn't nearly as strong a presence as American Tale and Land Before Time. When I feel like that one's not as like tear jerky, it's there's a story happening, and I don't know. We're we're I kind mean, of it's the opposite. You have a mom protecting her children, right? So yeah, it's you, not from the other perspective, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because the one of the child children is um in infirm, not infirm, but no, yeah, he's, he's sick. He can't be moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you ready? Okay. For my favorite movie. What have you got? That makes me cry. Yeah. I will say that because of our rules, there are two movies that couldn't be included. Same for me. Uh, in, uh, in episode 95, when I counted down my 12 favorite movies of all time, E.T. was on that list. Yeah. It's not on, It's not there in my blog. It's much further down. But That is the movie that made me realize we should do a list like this. Yeah. yeah. That, that definitely makes me cry a lot, especially in the third act. And A League of Their Own was on that list, which uh, makes me cry towards the end. But... The movie that qualifies for this list, that is my favorite movie that makes me cry, is Star Wars The Force Awakens from 2015, available on Disney+. Plus. That's a good choice. Okay, so why does this movie make me cry? Because back in 2015, there really hadn't been anything theatrically for Star Wars since the prequels. And, and the prequels definitely had a, a bad reputation, a bad taste in the mouth. You know, it's just, just this, these movies coming out, The Force Awakens coming out was like this, this, this idea of like a return to form, mm. right? Like it was the movie that brought the old fans back to Star Wars, to love everything that old fans love about Star Wars. That's what this movie ended up being. And I I still contend that to this day. But there was so much hope and excitement about this movie and seeing a Star Wars movie again in the theater. Once Lucasfilm symbol goes away and John Williams' score blares with star wars on screen i lost it yeah i think i absolutely we, lost it didn't we both lose it absolutely we kind of looked at each other we were like oh absolutely lost it it had an incredible effect on me just that i did not anticipate just being able to see this again in the theaters it was it was huge now imagine though imagine shanna there were no prequels. Imagine for a second, this was the first Star Wars film in the theater since The Return of the Jedi. Imagine us going decades without ever thinking we'd ever see a Star Wars movie again. Imagine how profound and affecting that title would have been in I, that moment. I feel like 
it's because of the trash that we had such a strong reaction. Yes, it you definitely know? it definitely was partially that. It now. gave us a chance to like appreciate what we were going to see. Yes. But imagine if that didn't exist <laughs> and it was just like this pure moment yeah. of like oh my god, Star Wars is back. And it was that still to an extent it was just slightly different in reality. Also, the other scene well, there's three actually. The other one, of the other scenes that really made me cry was Chewie or home. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh man! Oh my God! That was I was seeing my old friends for the first time once again on screen. Uh, that was I mean, it really did feel like, and I didn't realize it until that moment. It really felt like I was seeing old friends again. Yeah, and that was really great. And there's there's a moment when a character dies that was like almost traumatizing for me. Yeah. You know, I was like, no, no, no. You know, just fearing the worst. And then it happens. And I was affected as though someone I knew yeah. was killed. And then when another character force grabs the lightsaber, that also made me cry, too. Was because that was a profound yeah. moment. I actually want to watch that now. <laughs> if we could so, do that, that would be great. So I absolutely love The Force Awakens for what it accomplished. Regardless of, I, I think, like, its its flaws were necessary in order to accomplish what it did. And um, I forever will love it because of what it achieved. And as a Star Wars fan... Of the old guard, it was a huge effect on me and one of my favorite theatrical experiences. So that's why it is my favorite movie that made me cry. Mm. And you can see that on Disney Plus on your little tiny app and phone if you so desire. <laughs> Probably won't have the same experience. All right, Shanna, so those are our lists, but what movies didn't make your list that you that almost did oh well i'd have to go to my flick chart <laughs> you didn't have anything that you wrote out that that uh you're considering I, I wrote out other things like homeward bound et american tale titanic but titanic is like torture sadness for me so really? i won't be watching that ever again <laughs> it does make me cry uh, City of Angels is also like, I just don't think I'll be watching that ever again either. There's like five minutes of that movie that makes it like short of greatness. The problem is like it, it was unexpected. And yeah. so I was angry crying. Yeah. Which is, it's good to have a variety of crying, right? But I, that I was believe you shouted there. the word no quite angrily. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> those funny. five minutes do hurt the movie. Yeah, but yes. But then I'm just looking like something that couldn't make the list because of like favorites is Inside Out mm-hmm. and Arrival. Right. Uh, other things are Ghostbusters Afterlife with a particular scene that happens near the end. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, probably any Pixar film, basically. Even really? Turning Red, you know, makes me cry sometimes at one point. What about you? Uh, documentaries make me cry. So really, just any like you're you're big on crime documentaries, so that makes me curious. <laughs> they caught him. It's terrible. Um, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Braveheart. 
Mm. I'm never watching that again. That falls into the same category oh. for me as Titanic and City of Angels. That climax destroys me. Oh, my God. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption, also for yeah. its climax, its its end, a uh, beautiful story about friendship. Inside Out, Toy Story 3, In America. Oh, yeah. That was a strong I just have contender. I to look at the poster and like, oh, really? cry. Oh, man. Wolfwalkers is another one for me. Yeah, In America was a very strong contender because there were several moments that make me cry and so especially the end uh you know i i was titanic i was like does that movie make me cry that was one i if couldn't remember for sure monster. well jesus okay <laughs> then i guess it does what's eating gilbert grape was yeah. one um you know uh, i can't remember the exact words where it's like she where johnny depp says not like this or something like that yeah um uh philadelphia yeah, that'll do it. The there's a montage at the end that destroys me. Dumbo, uh, Baby Mine. Oh yeah, don't even say it because not I'll start crying. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> one crushes me. Uh, you mentioned up uh, Brokeback Mountain. I think does too. The jacket scene at the end. Field of Dreams is definitely one that <laughs> makes me cry. You know, you want to have a catch. My girl. I'm surprised that didn't make your list. The very first movie that ever made me cry. Uh, he needs his glasses. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. Just kill me, honey. <laughs> Jeez. And Awakenings. You know, that actually came out before My Girl. I don't recall if it affected me that way when I was 10. It might have. But, boy, that's that's a really touching film. Uh, with Robert De Niro and Robin Williams that uh, by Penny Marshall that uh, is a tearjerker for sure for, for me. So those are the movies that I took into consideration. Were there any others that you wanted to shout out? Uh, Minari is definitely one that makes me cry a lot because, mm. uh, you know, again, it's that immigrant uh, experience, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. husband and wife trying to make that all work, mm-hmm. uh, bringing over mom. And, and what does that do? Yeah, for you, it's when the mom arrives. Oh, my gosh. So much crying. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the tissue boxes. Yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, there's probably other, like, animated movies okay. um, that, that do it for me. All right. Well, what movies make you cry that are favorites of yours? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That'll about do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. You can blow your nose, put the tissues away, wipe your tears. We're all done with that now. Shanna, before we talk about the next few episodes of The Movie Lovers, why don't you share with people where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram, Shanna Paxton Photography, and on Flickchart Spellbinding A. First of all, go to thegibsonreview.com. That is the primary blog. That is where you will find not only past episodes of The Movie Lovers, but feature reviews and articles such as my latest one about 1930s movies. I wrote my 30 favorites of the 30s. Hopefully, you'll be able to use that as a guide to explore, discover new favorites for yourself. See what 
Uh, I wrote that uh, strikes your fancy and intrigues you. Follow along on social media. Go to facebook.com slash the Gibson Review or welcome to go to Instagram, the Gibson 99. We did eventually decide on your favorite pre-title sequence. Although Instagram banned my post that showed and announced who the winner was, much what to my dismay, I appealed that, but I don't, I don't know if that'll work out. The Lion King was your favorite pre-title sequence, and it turns out it was mine, and well, one of mine, and definitely Shanna's. So you agree with her there? Keep an eye out. There will be other pre-title sequ- or <laughs> other uh, bracket polls on there. You can vote on. I think there's one from 1995 coming along. There may or may not be one related to this episode coming along. I don't know. That's kind of a tricky one, but we'll see. Just keep an eye out. The Gibson 99 on Instagram there. Okay, so this is the end of a uh, of an arc for the movie lovers. We have a next three-episode arc starting with the week in review. Next week, uh, we had a cancel. First time, I don't know. We may never have done an actual cancellation in the six years that we've had the podcast. We did a cancellation of our last week in review. So all that is going to be built into the next week in review. Uh, we'll be talking about Cocaine Bear. We'll be talking about some TV shows we've been watching. What else uh, are we going to be talking about in that episode? We'll probably talk about Scream 6 briefly. Okay, excellent. And uh, the Academy Awards too. Uh, we'll be talking about those things in that episode. Look for it on Tuesday, I think April 4th, if I'm not mistaken. The following week, we will be doing a review episode. I'm looking at what that is likely to be. I'm thinking it's probably going to be the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, there's a possibility it'll be Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Ooh. Thieves. One or the other, Shannon and I will finalize, as per her work schedule, what will work best. And then our next film faves list will be... We haven't really done this. We've always focused on film. For the first time, we'll be focusing on TV. Our favorite TV shows of all time. 12 favorite TV shows of all time will be the topic in that episode. Look for that episode on Tuesday... I think April 18th. So that's what you can look forward to coming up in the movie lovers. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.